0: My first year here, I had severe anxiety, severe anxiety, crippled my life. I would after everyone left in chapel, I would stay in here and some days and I would just cry. I say, God, you're calling me to be a preacher. You're calling me to preach the gospel to the nations. And I can't even share. I can't even share in front of my class, in front of 20 people. Professors, teachers would call on me and it's like I'm having a panic attack. Like I felt like my heart was going to explode. And God delivered me from all of that. And I'm just sharing that because maybe there's someone in this room today and you're going through something and you think like you're not going to make it to next semester. You're never going to make it to be who God created you to be. And that's a lie. It's a lie. Satan doesn't want you to be who you're destined to be. So don't believe it. But I'm a husband. Uh, I've been married for almost six years. I think my wife came in somewhere. I can't see. But I have a one year old son. He's everything, man. He's just, we call him baby two braids. He doesn't have two braids yet, but he's just, he's, he means so much to me. But, um, and we also have a baby on the way. In February, we'll have our second child. Um, I'm, a, I'm a father. I'm an alumni. I'm an urban missionary to Little Earth of United Tribes, which is less than two miles from here. Um, And I'll share about Little Earth in a second. I'm a rapper. I'm a pastor at City View Church here in South Minneapolis right off of Lake Street and 4th Avenue. Um, I'm a youth worker and I've been to about 60 reservations across America, the northwest, southwest, east coast, down south. I've even been to Canada. and in all, all, saying all that, God called me here to South Minneapolis, where we have the biggest concentrated population of Natives in America. And um, I can give you some statistics. You know, one out of every two Native Americans would drop out of high school. Suicide rates are five times or more higher than the national average. In some places I've been, the average was 10 times higher than the national average. People are killing themselves. People are attempting suicide at alarming rates. In Pine Ridge alone, they had over 250 suicide or suicide attempts in a matter of two years. There's the demonic epidemic going on, and it seems like, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but it seems like nobody cares And that's why many of you probably never even heard about it. How in America can over 250 suicide attempts be attempted and you don't even hear about it? Because here's the little Indians off on their reservation and that's their business. In America, after 500 years of missions, less than 5%, of natives would profess Christ in Jesus. So in that spoken word, when it said the church has failed, it's not an attack on the church. It's just the reality. After 500 years, less than 5%. I've been all over the country, and I wish I could share with you more, but if you're truly interested in hearing more, I'd love to take you off for coffee, have lunch, Whatever. You're a college kid, you're probably broke, it's free lunch, I mean, right? I I was there before. But in essence of time, I'll just say this, Satan is having free reign in many, many native communities. Less than two miles away at Tent City where there's 75% of the people there are native. In Little Ursa, 215 Section 8 housing projects. About 2,000 or so people live there from 35 different tribes across America. Heroin is an epidemic there. Little earth is a spiritual stronghold in the kingdom of darkness. It's a spiritual stronghold. And imagine if you could win that over for Christ. You're not just winning South Minneapolis. You're winning 35 or more different native tribes from across America. There's shootings. I I work there every day. Just a few months ago in the summertime, I'm playing basketball with little kids and it's shooting just right by me. Kids come in here, they say, TJ, if I never come back here, it's because someone shot me and I'm dead. That's their reality. Right down the street from here, that's their reality. There's shootings, there's violence, there's crime, and I'm right in the thick of it. And for me, for for Little Earth, my wife and I, we're, we're the only Christians many people know there. People aren't Christians there. And so it's a heavy burden. We're urban missionaries, and we raise support, and it's hard to do, but... The goal is to plant a church there. That's the goal. That's the goal that we're working towards. Every Saturday, I do a basketball outreach with about 30 young teenagers and young adults, all on church. They come, they play ball, they eat pizza, and I give the gospel to them. And they all sit through it, they listen, they pray with me. Because the harvest is ripe. That's really what I want to share with you guys today. My message is simple. It says in Matthew 9, 36 through 38, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and hopeless, helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If you ever want to get plugged in to real frontline boots boots-on-the-ground ministry, I'm just a call away. And I'll be honest with you, there's many days where it's hard for me to function in life because I am the only Christian there every day. And so I'm not just dealing with the violence, the crime, the abuse, the single-parent homes, the heroin, the spiritual atmosphere is virtually all dark. There's so many opportunities to mentor youth, tutor kids, help coach basketball, baseball, volleyball, anything. Life is about so much more than just yourself. Don't waste your life. We think that tomorrow's promise. We think we're going to have all these opportunities, and right now we're just in college, and I just want to live and have fun and stay up all night playing Black Ops 4 or Fortnite or whatever people do nowadays. I know many people go overseas. They do tremendous missions work. But the church in America is on the decline at a rapid, rapid pace. And many of the churches that are growing, they're inter interchurch growth. People are leaving one church and they're going to another church. But where is the actual new conversions? I wish I had more time, but I'll, I'll leave you with a story. I took 16 unchurched, Native youth to a conference called Warrior Leadership Summit in Illinois. There's about a 1,000 natives that come from all over North America to a Christian conference put on by Ron Hutchcraft Ministries. It's a ministry I've been heavily involved in since I left North Central. But I took 16 unchurched native youth, and, and we have, it's just it's a Christian youth conference. So you guys all know what that entails. And so after one of the services, we broke into small groups, and, I, and I'm talking with all the guys. There's like eight of them. And I'm, I share my life story with them. I share the gospel with them. And I say, what do you think? And they begin to ask questions. How do we know Jesus is God? How do we know this? How do we know that? All the answers that skeptics have. And the very next day in the morning session, my friend who's named Doug Huch- Hutchcraft, he, he preached. And he answered all of them questions in his sermon. And I looked at him. I was sitting at the end of the row. I looked down the row at the 16 youth. I said, you think that's a coincidence? I didn't go up and talk to him before service and tell him to share all of these things that you had questions about. I said, maybe, just maybe the God of the universe is trying to get a hold of your life. And so I'm not going to be weighed down by the statistics, by the depressing outlook, outward appearance, because I know God is on the move. I know God is doing something. And Billy Graham, he once said this. He said, if native people. He said, they're they're a sleeping giant. If they were ever to be awakened spiritually with the gospel, they could usher in the greatest revival America has ever seen. So that's what I leave you with. I'm going to call up my brother Jacob now. Uh, I'd love to stay after and chat with you guys. You guys can exchange info, and maybe, you know, you can come help at Little Earth. So thank you. God bless.
1: Amen, amen. Amen. Bonjour. Uh Minogiji God, Minogigi, Gagwejiwaj N Dijnikas, Makwa and Dodim, um, Miskwagamiwi Zagaigan in Dojaba, Anishinabe andini in Dao. That's how we in Indian country introduce ourselves. It's called a ceremonial greeting, and it's a proper protocol when introducing yourself. So what I said there was my name, my clan, and my tribe. Um, I gave you what's called an Indian name. though. So even though we're born with an English name, my English name is Jacob, but my Indian name, or what sometimes is called your spirit name, you're given that at a later time uh, in life, after your, your character is developed. And what that means is uh, he who wrestles with God and man and prevails. And so you'll, you'll find that in Genesis when Jacob wrestles with the angel of God, and God changes his name to Israel. And so I was given that name, and it has a biblical root, and I'm very honored to carry that name. And a lot of things about native people are wrapped up in their language, So there are cultural clues that come out, and if you don't know their language, imagine if you didn't know English, or imagine if you went to another country and you didn't speak their language, it would be very, very hard to reach them. And so that's what we find with the church today and America and people who speak English and subscribe to American society and culture. When you confront yourself with Native people, it's like they're speaking one language and you're speaking a different language. And so I want to kind of explain some of that. Um, in the Red Lake Nation where we're from, there's seven clans. I'm from the Bear Clan. Each clan would describe your role or your function in your community. So we have the Bear Clan, the Turtle Clan, the Kingfisher Clan, the Eagle Clan, the Pine Martin Clan, the Catfish Clan, and the Mink Clan. And if I were born 100 or 200 years ago in my tribal community, I would have been raised to know what clan I was in, and then I would have been raised to perform the function of that clan. The bear clan were protectors or warriors, kind of like security guards or patrolmen of the tribe, and they were also healers. So they would have practiced indigenous or traditional medicine. And my tribe describes where I am from. So does anyone know where Red Lake is? Yes, please raise a hand. Yes, I see a couple hands. Red Lake's maybe six hours north of the Twin Cities. And so when you think of northern Minnesota, you start to think all kinds of different things. So when I say my name, Gagwejiwaj, indigenous that means my name is, my spirit name or Indian name is he who wrestles with God or man. You have, there's more, there's more in that than just when I say my name is Jacob. Make sense? So I'm very honored to be maybe one of the first or a handful of people to be able to speak my indigenous language in a context like this because we were once beaten or maybe even killed in part for speaking our language and dressing the way that we dress and maybe wearing beads. And I know it's, there's, a kind of a, there's a stigma attached to some of those things because there can be spirits attached to things that you, you're unfamiliar with. And Native culture and Native language and what we call oral traditions are filled with spiritual influences. And we know because we're Christians, they're they're not good spirits. They're not good spirits. But Native people don't think of them as bad spirits. They don't distinguish a bad spirit from a good spirit. They they just consider them all kind of like spirit helpers. And so um, I'm very honored to be able to speak my language. We were once prohibited from speaking it. And as I said before, hidden within any language are these cultural clues that reveal the mind and the actions of any people group. So any good study of ancient culture, which native people are ancient culture, you have to study their language and you have to study their literature. With native people, we don't have a written literature, but we have what we call oral tradition. And so we do that in Christianity, Right? We study Greek and we study Hebrew and we read the language of the Bible and the literature of the Bible, right? And that gives us a more well-informed idea about who God is and who God's original people are. And I would say no, no true real understanding or expression of Christianity can be discerned if you don't study Greek and Hebrew. And I know those are difficult. Those are hard languages to learn and to understand. They're not spoken languages anymore for, in, in some cases. So it's the same with native people. We have to learn native language, the indigenous language, and then we have to learn their oral traditions, and then God will start to reveal these clues about how to reach them. And he'll use the spiritual gifts that he's imparted into our life, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and then we'll be able to speak directly into their life, and a spiritual breakthrough will happen. Amen? But I believe a lot of times native ministry is being practiced sideways or it's being practiced backwards. It's all you're bad, you can't wear your beads, you can't wear your hair long, you can't do this, you can't do that because it's all demonic. And we know that that doesn't work. That's why the statistics are the way that they are. And so we have to do something different and we have to change. And we believe that God has anointed us, not just me and my brother, but my sisters who's who's over here who also works in the the, uh, native community here but my dad as well. And so we're following in a heritage, and we're passing on that heritage to our children and teaching them this is how you reach Native people. And I would encourage you, before you go over to Little Earth or before you go try to do a mission trip on a reservation, get involved with a Native person. Start to develop a relationship with them organically. Start to hang out in the native community. And as those relationships develop, allow them to invite you into their community. Because there's a lot of groups, and TJ can tell you, that go into native communities and they just, it's like it's just a check off their box. That, hey, we went, look, we went and we went to a reservation. We went and we served these native people. But there's no real transformation and no real long-lasting change takes place. So there's something wrong with that and we want that to change. I would say if you want to go over to Little Earth, ask TJ. Let TJ invite you into Little Earth, and then he's vouching for you in that way. And then the people there, they will respect you. They'll know that if you do anything that offends somebody that you shouldn't do, then they're going to blame TJ. They won't come after you, so then you can, you can blame it on TJ. I'm joking. So, but Native people have an ancient way of thinking and behaving. It's all wrapped up in their language, their oral tradition. My ministry philosophy is that we need to encourage Native people to learn their language, to learn their oral tradition, to teach them to practice their culture, and then alongside of that, share the gospel with them, or after that, share the gospel with them. Because they don't know who they are as a people because their language is lost. And there's like a weird dichotomy happening there because most native people don't speak their indigenous language because they didn't grow up on their tribal community. And even if they did grow up on their tribal community, sometimes there's only a handful of people that actually speak their language fluently. So we have to encourage them, learn their language, learn their old traditions, practice their culture, and there's risk involved in that, right? Because it's so filled with spiritual things demonic spirits, with everything that they do, they're learning, they're going to ceremonies, they're doing all these spiritual practices, everything about them is spiritual. When A lot of times when they make jewelry like this, they pray over it, and they're praying for the spirits of their ancestors to come into, now this was made by a Christian person, so I don't have to worry about that, but but they're praying into everything that they make, their moccasins, their, their, their regalia, all that stuff. And when they drum, there's a rattle in the drum, and they're, they're invoking spirits, dark spirits, evil spirits, to come in. And so we have to be aware of that. We can't be ignorant of that. Amen? I don't want you guys to be ignorant of that. So, to get into the word a little bit, I want to talk to you out of 1 Corinthians. Paul devotes. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, and 1 Corinthians 14. Three entire chapters to the misuse of the gifts. And he is addressing the church at Corinth, and the church at Corinth is just like the church today. They struggle with all kinds of different things. Secularism, sectarianism, the role of the sexes, sexuality, all this stuff that if we really took an honest look, we would say, yeah, That's pretty much the American church today. But one of the things that I want to highlight that I think is a key, that if we can learn to practice in a healthy way, in a loving way, in a godly way, in a graceful way, then there can be spiritual breakthrough, not only for native people, but really for all people. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Paul says this. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. And that's a little bit of my message to you today. I don't want you to be ignorant about native people. I don't want you to go into a native community and say something stupid or do something that you shouldn't do and then you offend the people because there's already a wall up there. They already don't trust you. If you don't look like them and you don't talk like them and you, don't, you can't introduce yourself in a ceremonial way or kind of the way that I did and you don't know a little bit of native language and they know right away that you're a stranger, you're a foreigner and the walls go up and there's, there's a disconnect. Okay, And so don't be ignorant of that, but don't be ignorant of your spiritual gifts. I, I, it, 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 it hurts me to say this, but I love North Central. I got my master's degree last summer from North Central. I spent like maybe 10 years of my life here from 2007 to 2017. I worked in maintenance for four years. I coached basketball with Jeff Grinnell for two years, and we went to the national championship, well, not the national championship, but the national tournament a couple times. I played basketball here for two years for the men's band. I love North Central. But when I left North Central, they taught me how to preach. They taught me how to study the Bible, all these different things. But I didn't know my spiritual gift. I had had people prophesy over me. But I never took a spiritual gifts test. I never took a class on spiritual gifts. I didn't know the definitions of the spiritual gifts. I kind of knew that I wanted to reach people because I have the same testimony as my brother. I, I was a drug addict and an alcoholic and a gangbanger and a really evil, mean, wicked person. I was a prodigal. He was a prodigal too. But God, he wouldn't leave me alone. He just kept coming after me and finally I surrendered to him and he transformed my life. Amen? But I was ignorant when I left North Central about my spiritual gifts. And I don't want you to leave this place and not know what your gift mix is. In, in Ephesians 4, it talks about the five offices. In Romans 12, it talks about what I call the inherent gifts. There's seven inherent gifts that I believe you're born with, but they're not in operation for the right purposes until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And I don't actually like the term... He uses the term gift, but then he uses the term manifestations. And I like the, the term manifestations better because... Sometimes those gifts manifest and sometimes they don't. That's why sometimes you pray for people for healing and they don't get healed because the gift of healing didn't manifest for whatever reason. Make sense? Right? So we need to figure out, is God calling me to one of those five offices? What is my inherent gift that's in Romans 12? And then how does God primarily manifest himself with one of these nine gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned here? In First Corinthians 12, they're broken down into three categories, revelation gifts, power gifts, and inspiration gifts. And five of those nine gifts are gifts that involve some type of language or some type of use of a spoken word. So language matters. What you say matters. How you say it when you're using one of those language gifts matters. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And then if you want to throw a sixth one in there just for fun, you can throw an exhortation. Those all involve the use of the spoken word and some type of language. And, and you know, what they say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But words do hurt. Words have hurt in the name of the Lord, words that have come from Anglo people. They've hurt the native community tremendously. And not only the native community, but many other communities. So I want to retell what TJ told about Billy Graham's prophecy. Have you guys heard of Billy Graham's prophecy over native people before? Billy Graham's well respected, not only in America, but around the world, as a man of God, as a great evangelist, right? Probably, maybe the greatest evangelist who ever lived. Billy Graham met with some local chiefs in the Southwest, and they were not Christian chiefs, but he met with them and he said this over them. He said, They're a sleeping giant, they're the original Americans. And they're now awakening. And just around the corner, they might become the spiritual superpower in this country that could not only change America, but could change the entire world. Why? What, what was it about Billy Graham that he got that revelation? Like, something had to happen in that meeting where he, he had a revelation or a download from the Holy Spirit where he was like, you know what? There's something about this people group that is special. There's something about them. And I believe he got a revelation that because they're so spiritual, because they've been practicing spiritual gifts since they were little kids and they were, they were raised in it and, they, and they're not ignorant of it and they're confident in those things, when turned over to Christ they're going to start to immediately operate in a a high-level anointing and an authority really unseen probably since biblical times or even beyond what the apostles and prophets did in the Bible. Amen? And I believe that to be true, and I want to encourage you that if someone speaks a prophetic word over you, it's not just magically going to happen. You have to put work to it. You have to ask God, is that even a word from you, Lord? And then you have to put, the Bible says faith without works is dead. And faith is a verb. It's an action where it's not something you have. Faith is something that you do. So you can't say you have faith and then you're just sitting there every day you got to do something about it, right? And so if I believe that prophecy is true, I have to surrender and commit my life to being who I am as a native person and as a Christian, but then also allowing and then ministering to other native people. Amen? So that they can reach their potential in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Many native people, this might be controversial, you might not like it, but I think non-Christian are already... More, they, they operate in, in a higher level of spiritual power and authority than sometimes we do as Christians because they've been practicing it their whole life. They're confident in it, and they're not ignorant about it. So don't be ignorant, and I don't say that in a, in a negative way because sometimes we call each other ignorant in a mean way, right? But... Ignorance led the forefathers to misuse the gifts, and they caused severe damage to an entire people group. Marginalize them, set them aside, put them on the back burner. And like TJ said, it does feel like nobody cares. We've been living this our entire life. This is what we do. This is who we are. It feels like nobody cares. We know people care, but their actions don't back that up. My second point, use the gifts in Love. First Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13.1, Though I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Don't be sounding brass. Don't be a clanging cymbal. When you come, you know, uh, when you misuse the gifts, when you're not using the gifts in love and you're using them out, out, of the, out of your flesh or some other motivation, you hurt people or you just become you become dead noise to them. They're not really listening anymore. And so don't do that. If you love yourself We all love ourselves, right? Look at you guys. You look so nice. You got we're the hip this is the one of the hipster capitals of the country, right? I used to have a big hipster beard and I used to wear skinnies and stuff, and now I gain too much weight, so I can't dress like that anymore. (laughs) But I still got some cool shoes and I try I try to do my best. My older daughter Jasmine teases me. But we all love ourselves, we know that. But Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So I challenge you. Who loves the guy out on the bus stop that we walk past every day? Who loves the native girl who has been transported down here from a reservation and trafficked and she walks up and down Bloomington Avenue and all across Lake Street and she's strung out on heroin? Because the church I used to be a youth pastor at and an associate pastor, we used to have native girls that were prostitutes and they would, they would, con- they would get picked up and dropped off right in front of our church, right on the wall. They felt safe there. But who loves them? Where's the outreach to them? If we say they matter, but then no one's reaching out to them, then really they don't matter. And what about the gang bangers that TJ encounters every day that are shooting up the community, that are committing all kinds of acts of violence in, in Little Earth? Who loves them? Who will go reach out to them? We have to start to learn to put the Word of God into practice. My brother every day has to know that he knows that when he enters that community, God's called him to it because bullets are, they're whizzing past his head. My sister's in there. Sometimes I'm in there with my family. My kids are in there. His wife is in there. His son is in there. And they, they could get shot at any given time. They could lose their life. So they have to be careful. They have to use their gifts in love. They have to be careful about what they say. You say the wrong thing to the wrong person in a community like that, that could, that could be it. Amen? So love is a language. We all send it, we all receive it differently. Don't be a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. What you say, how you say it, and who you say it to matters. Lastly in conclusion, 1 Corinthians 14:1 it says pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Paul ties it all together. He ties it all together. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And so I want to encourage you to use, don't be ignorant, don't be a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, and, and use your gift in control. You know, in Galatians, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. You know why self-control is at the end? I believe self-control is the last one because it's one of the hardest ones to obtain, because we're all arguing with somebody on Facebook. We're all against somebody else's politics. we are all got something to say to somebody and we just can't hold it in. But mature Christians, people who know that, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't go around every day arguing with people online over things that people that I don't even know commenting in the comment section on YouTube or some other social media site with people you don't know, and you just go on and on and on. And then, and then what, is it, what value is it providing to your life? And I've made a mistake a number of times, arguing with people on Facebook, Christian, non, people deleted me. I've deleted people, right? So I'm just trying to be real with you. But I've learned that the Holy Spirit is like, you got to practice self-control, It's about character. You know, we all have gifts. You might know your gift mix. You might know you're called to, you have an apostolic anointing, or you're called to be in leadership, or a teacher, or the, the Lord manifests words of wisdom in your life. I believe God has given me a prophetic teaching gift, and usually he manifests words of wisdom. So now that I know that, I can walk confidently in my gifts. But my character has to catch up. Because God can gift a little child, but the little child doesn't have the character to use that gift in love so that he doesn't become a a, 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 a clanging cymbal, right? A sounding, a sounding brass, right? And so we ought to be like brutally honest with ourselves and say, Lord, help my character to, to develop so that I actually love my neighbor as myself. Because when I was here at North Central... I can tell you, in Minneapolis, in the Phillips community, it's the most diverse community in the entire country. We see all kinds of people from different backgrounds who are different than us, talk different, look different, dress different, the whole works. But there's certain people groups that I just didn't care for. And I just had to be honest with myself, and I said, Lord, I don't have no compassion for these people. I really, I just don't. And I don't know, and there's something that's wrong. That's not Christ in me. That's my flesh coming out. Maybe there's a demonic source. Maybe I need some type of deliverance, and so I would come to the altar and I would say, "Lord, change my heart. My heart is hard towards these people, even though I'm not intentionally doing anything, but I'm turning a cold shoulder when I see them. I think, man, they, they drive bad. They dress different. They don't. And, I, and I'm like, there's, that's wrong. God, change my heart." Change my heart, heart, give me a, remove a heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. And I spent a lot, I went to every chapel, I hardly ever skipped chapel. Don't go look at the records though, don't quote me on that. But I came to chapel and almost every time I went to the altar, even now at church, I still try to go to the altar almost every week, even if there's nothing major going on in my life, because I want the presence of God. I want to be close to the Lord. I want to know what is God saying. I want to get a revelation and not just get information from the pastor because our churches are filled. We're giving out so much information to people. It's, it's great, but it's all up here. I need a revelation in our Native American communities and some of our other ethnic communities. They need you to manifest your gift. To know what your gift is, to use it in confidence, don't be ignorant of it, and then go use it in love, speak revelations, give them that prophetic word, that word of wisdom, that word of knowledge, a word in tongues or an interpretation or or an exhortation, and that's going to cause the breakthrough in their life that they've been looking for their whole life. Amen? And we do it as a body. You guys have gifts that I don't have. You guys have the answers to saving Native American communities that we don't have even though it seems like we have a lot of the answers, no, the Holy Spirit wants to use unusual people to reach other unusual people. Because unusual, un, man, in, in Acts 19, it says that God began to do unusual miracles at the hands of Paul. God is looking for unusual people. We're, you're unusual people and in, in, you're divinely sent here into the urban community. But a lot of times we like to go out to the suburban mega churches and then we come back to the urban Bible college and then suburban, and then we neglect the people in our backyard, thousands of people that are lost and hurting. So I say that in love because I'm your brother. And I hope that you receive that in love to challenge you. What if North Central, as an entire school, said we're going to make a consistent effort to reach out to the Native American community? Maybe one day we're going to cancel classes and we're just all going to go over the little earth and we're just going to start to pray. And we're going to start to fast and we're going to start to reach out to people. And we're going to start to say, God God will start to manifest stuff. You see, because we got to get outside of the four walls of all the buildings that we're always in. And go and commit a prophetic act. Do something like, do something out of the box, out of the ordinary. Amen? Amen. The misuse of the gifts can hinder outreach to any people group. I wanna just close by giving you a um, couple bullet points on. If you want to get involved with Native people or Native American ministry, learn the truth from a Native person. Learn the, learn the truth about history from a Native person. Because we're not just a chapter in a history book. We're marginalized. Why is that? You, I, I encourage you to really pray and ask God, how come this people group is so marginalized? Why are they so afflicted? Why are they so oppressed? How come they're committing suicide? Like, what is happening? And then, Lord, let that bother me. Keep bothering me until I finally listen and do something about it. Secondly, start hanging out in the Native community and let relationships develop organically. Third, empower Native people by giving them access to your resources, all of your resources. Because I was invited here, I gave my brother access to come in and to share what he had to share before me. And I'm giving him access. Invite someone from the Native community to come to chapel. Invite them to come in to sit in a class or something. Invite them to start having community events open up to all the Native American people in this community. Amen? Give them access to your resources. Get them in places you can't get yourself into. Amen? Fourth. Learn how the Holy Spirit has gifted you. Use one of those six language gifts and use it early and use it often. Use it in love. And then lastly, control yourself. I live in Milwaukee now. I just moved there on September 1st. We're there to plant a Native American church in the community. There's probably 10,000 urban Native people in Milwaukee. I didn't know that. I love Minnesota. I was born and raised in Minnesota. I didn't want to go to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. But God called us to Wisconsin, and our heart is in Wisconsin, and now we have a heart for Wisconsin. (laughs) Amen? Amen. But God has called us there for for a purpose and for a reason and for something higher and beyond that we don't even know yet. And we have to be aware of what our gifts are. We have to use them in confidence. We can't be ignorant of what our gifts are. And I'll just share this lastly. Um, Maybe we can bow our heads in prayer. I was laying on my face in my office yesterday, and I started to just weep. And when I started to pray, and I was praying in the Spirit, I was praying for the native community. But I saw this hand, the hand of God, come and sweep over the whole area of Little Earth where the uh, the tent encampment is. And then the Holy Spirit said, "This isn't about native people. This is about the church." This is about North Central. And I just started crying and started weeping. And I said, God, I remember this fourth grade student recently said, I just want people to know that we matter. Fourth grade native kid at the school that I work at. And in that moment, I thought, it's not that they don't matter, but they feel like they don't matter. The little kid feeling like growing up like, I don't matter to anyone. Maybe that's why they're commuting suicide. There's no outreach to them. No one prays over them. No one brings them to church. They don't know worship songs. They don't know oceans. They don't know Jesus culture. They don't know Hillsong. We're all privileged and we all love those things and they add value to our life. They don't know the Bible. They don't know all the Bible stories that we grew up with. They never had their parents tell them they love them and they care about them and they're praying for them. All that stuff that we are privileged to have in a lot of cases. And so my heart is broken for them and so I want to pray and we can get out of here. Father God, I come before you. I thank you, I praise you. If you pray in the spirit, I encourage you to start praying in the spirit. We're Pentecostal people. Father God, I pray, Lord, I pray that you rend the heavens over this place, O God. Rend the heavens and come down and visit us, O God. May there be a tangible presence of who you are in this place, O God. I pray for every heart, for every mind, for every soul, for every spirit, O God. Everyone who can hear the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would impart to them compassion, Lord, not only to reach Native Americans, Lord, but to love all of their neighbors as they love themselves, O God. Lord, I pray for the staff here, for the faculty, for the entire student body, Lord, that You'd give them a vision and a mission to reach Native America. Lord, that if they reach Little Earth, Lord, they're really not reaching Little Earth. They're reaching tribes all across this country, oh God. Lord, and we just we turn this everything over to you, Lord. We lay it at the foot of the cross. We come against that spirit of suicide in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that every young person dealing with that spirit, Lord, would be delivered in Jesus' name. We plead your blood, O oh God, the blood, the sprinkled blood that speaks better than the things of Abel, O oh God. We break off and cancel every curse, oh God. Placed on native people and native communities, Lord, and placed on this land, O oh God, that every tribal community is cursed because there's genocide and there's bloodshed, and the blood is crying out for the ground for for redemption. So, Lord Jesus, send angels of every rank, Lord, seraphim, cherubim, archangels, O oh God, messenger angels, warrior angels, O oh God, over every tribal community, O oh God, to push back the darkness so that the people can get free. And use us, O oh God. I pray for the five doors of the offices, the five offices, Lord, the doors of the five offices to be opened, O oh God, and to people to step in and start to carry those mantles of apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers, O oh God. Use North Central in a powerful way. Use North Central in a powerful way. You've already started the work, Lord. Bring that work to completion. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and miigwetch. We love you guys. Have a good day. We'll be here tomorrow. And we'll be here to talk or pray with you if you'd like.